Hello, and welcome to the For We Are Many podcast. My name is Rob. I will be your host and comrade this evening. Um, Trisha will be joining us shortly. Uh, We have a few things to talk about tonight. Um, Congress has voted to stop the rail strike. Um, We'll talk about what that means, um, what laws enable them to do it, um, and what the what the workers and the union intend to do about it. Um, Going to talk about the Q Club shooting. Um, obviously, at this point, most of you already know um, probably just as much as we do about the Q Club shooting. But we're going to talk about the mindsets that led to it, um, the aftermath. Uh, liberals clutching their pearls about people defending themselves at um, events that have been threatened, um, things like that. I would like to take the opportunity to ask everyone to um, like the video, share the video, subscribe, um, follow the page, and check out our website. We've got some pretty good um some pretty good um, articles up recently um, written by Tom Watts primarily. Um, notably, Black, Brown, and White, the Proletariat Must Unite. That is in three pieces. It was quite dense, so we kept it in three pieces the way it was originally released. Um, the three epics in the history of human social evolution. Um, panther spirituality. We think everyone should be a, a panther. Build a, uh, alliances, advance the struggle. And then by Chairman Shaka Zulu, we have to end racism, we must defeat capitalism. Um, some of these are position papers. Um, some of these are more broad, uh, you know, like editorials and explanations kind of things. Um, Trisha just said that she will be right there. That's good. Um, all right, give me two seconds to finish sharing this around with some groups. I would encourage all of you to do the same if you're able, uh, whether it's to groups on Facebook or to your friends. Um, every viewer helps, uh, especially when we're working you know, uphill um, to gain traction uh, on Facebook's algorithm, especially. Anybody checked in on Twitter lately? Like, is it on fire yet? Still? Is it still on fire or has it collapsed? (laughs) Also, if at any point you hear like wind, um, Or if I cut out entirely, if we lose power until I get the generator running, uh, don't be alarmed. I'll be right back. Now that Trisha is joining, um, you know, at least I won't be leaving you with dead air. Hello, hello. Still working on getting the audio set up, I assume. All right. Um, So we're going to start. This is from a CNN article. 
Um, the House of Representatives passed legislation to avert a rail shutdown is how CNN is wording this. Um, following a grave warning from President Joe Biden about the economic danger posed by congressional inaction. Notice how they're, they're wording this. They're kind of like prepping you to dislike the workers before you even get to the content of the article, right? Like they're already trying to push your mindset in that direction um, as they tend to do. I mean, at the end of the day, CNN are capitalists, right? Um, right, they want you to think, oh, these bad people don't want you to have your supply chain be you know working properly and it's like no they they want to not be on call 24 fucking seven never have enough time to rest barely ever get a day off and if they do they're getting called right the fuck back in because they're on call yeah um they're being treated like fucking slaves by the railroad yeah and this next part, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to read it the way CNN wrote it. And then I'm going to like kind of re-say the same thing from my perspective. By a 290 to 137 vote, the House passed the tentative rail agreement, uh, agreement, agreement that will prevent a rail strike. The vote was largely bipartisan with 79 Republicans joining Democrats and voting for the bill and eight Democrats voted against the bill. Can you do me a favor? Can you Google who those eight Democrats that voted against it were? Because I am definitely will. Actually, find out who those 137 no votes were, if you can, because I would like to give credit where it is due. Um, so I'm looking it up now. So the way that I see this is that 290 people in the House of Representatives um, voted to side with the capitalist class than the working class or over the working class, which is not a surprise, but it's Democrats spearheading this bill, right? It's, it's Democrats that, that are making this call to side with the capitalists over the workers. So don't try to tell me how the Democrats are the lesser of two evils. Don't try to tell me that the Democrats have the best interests of the working class in mind. I don't want to hear any of that. Um, right. <clears throat> so then there was a separate vote, which uh, this I didn't realize earlier. So this this is an improvement over the Biden administration's attempt, right? But in a separate vote, the House also voted 221 to 207 to add a provision to the rail agreement that would increase the number of paid sick days from one to seven. So that is still better, right? But that's still not what the fucking workers are asking for. Right. That's I mean, seven days, that's in a whole year when they're on call for months at a time. We're talking about seven sick days. This is the best that Congress can do. Which might as well be nothing. Right, it's right. Not I mean, the policy, and it sure is shit, not enough sick days for an entire fucking year. Right, right. 
Um, the bill, this bill was passed largely down party lines with just three Republicans uh, crossing over to vote with Democrats on that measure. So, okay, in that instance, I can see, okay, the Democrats um, are at least closer to the side of the working class, but that doesn't mean, they are only doing this to prevent the strike, right? And the fact that Congress even has this power needs to be met with the appropriate rhetoric. How... How can Congress, right, which does not come from the working class, make calls on behalf of the working class? It doesn't check out. I mean, there, we will get into to how Congress has this power, um, but I want to make clear from the start that just because Congress officially does have the power to stop a rail strike does not mean they should I mean, honestly, if you want to keep the railroads running, why not bring the army in to be scabs? I'm just fucking saying. Like, oh, well, maybe they're not trained to operate trains. Well, then maybe the company should put its workers over the bottom line profits. Right. This this problem has compounded because the railways fired thousands of people and then expected those who are still there to basically be doing the jobs of multiple people and no fucks given about what a strain that would be on them that they're literally being forced into a position to live to work instead of working to live yeah not okay um also i'm not finding a comprehensive list yet um, but there is some here listed who opposed this bill. Um, Democrat Rep. Judy Chu from California, Mark DeSalnier from California, Jared Golden from Maine, Donald Norcross from New Jersey, Mary Peltola from Alaska, Mark Pokin from Wisconsin, Rashida Tlaib from Michigan, and... Norma Torres from California and uh, so there is a split in the squad over this issue then because AOC voted in favor of stopping the strike I know that right so at least it's not Um, the whole squad but I did want to explicitly point the finger at AOC and her supporters I mean they're going to act I mean, actually, I, I say that I'm going to point a finger, but I'm like knife handing. But uh, this yeah. is this is what the lesser of two evils gets us. This is what trying to change the system from within gets us. She is basically turned yeah. into little Pelosi. I don't even know how else to word that. I mean, she she doesn't fall too far from the mama bear, does she? Oh, she's more interested in securing herself a lifelong position in Congress than in actually representing the people who fucking elected her ass there. Right. And, um, you know, regardless of what uh, sort of leftist thought you come from, right, uh, the workers 
should matter far more than the profits. And of course, you know, like they're trying to act like, actually, let me get back to the article because I want to comment on how this art, uh, this paragraph is worded as well. Without congressional action, a rail strike could become a reality as early as December 9th, causing shortages, spiking prices, and halting factory production. You notice how they sternly put the blame on the workers. They are explicitly punching down. Yeah. It could also disrupt commuter rail services for up to 7 million travelers a day and the transportation of 6,300 carloads of food and farm products a day. Carloads? Americans really will measure with anything but the metric system, won't they? 6,300 carloads of food. What the fuck does that even mean? You can't like put a tonnage on it? Cars are different sizes. I would assume you're going to talking a about a train car, but still. Uh, well, but still, even even there, um, that's that's a fucking stupid way to measure it. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what I what I wanted to say about that, but. Uh, Without congressional action, like Congress is the heroes for forcing the workers back to work. This is how they're framing this before it even happens. Like, how are you going to make Congress sound like the heroes? Right. If anything, Congress is bad guys here who are falling back on a 1926 fucking bill that allows them to intervene just to not interstate commerce it's protecting I, th I think it's older than that to be honest because the rail strike that eugene debs well it might be a more revised version i suppose but initially uh, um there there was a well no that was an executive order so that's probably when it was codified but the let's not forget that go ahead it's it's the railway labor act of 1926 I'm, looking at it right now um but i mean that might have been something that they, they pushed into place to just to solidify you know their wielding of that power given all the issues they had with eugene debs and the unions um i find it fucked either way because who the fuck is congress to try to tell any workers oh you must accept this shitty contract that doesn't give you your fucking human rights who the fuck do they think they are? Do they not realize, like, if, if they wanted to, every fucking one of these people who is on strike could just say, fuck, you suck my dick and completely quit? Well, no, they can't, they though. They can't. They're under a contract. Well, what the fuck is that going to mean if, if they're like, fuck this, we're, we're not doing this? Because they well, haven't right, actually right, right, right. Right. They're refusing to sign a new contract, which that's the thing. I don't understand how Congress has the authority to force them to agree to a contract that they don't agree to. Um, so I, I want to cool. circle back a little bit to the Pullman uh, uh, strike, right, which was spearheaded um, by Eugene Debs back in 1894. 
So yep. Pullman Palace cars, uh, the workers formed a committee on May 7th um, and asked to have the rent lowered because, you know, company towns. Um, on yep. May 7th and 9th, they were flat re flatly refused. And then three of the committee members were terminated. This caused the workers to declare they were going on strike. May 10th, they walked off their jobs. May 11th, the Pullman plant closed. Um, so the strike went peacefully after several weeks. The Pullman management had not changed its position and the strikers were desperate for aid. During the strike, the American Railway Union had convened in Chicago because it was the rail center of the United States. The recently formed ARU had 465 local unions and claimed the membership of 150,000 workers. Uh, they offered to send arbitrators to the Pullman case. The Pullman workers refused the aid. Um, and the ARU, under the leadership of Eugene Debs, decided to stop handling Pullman cars at all on June 26th. So then on that date, uh, ARU switchmen refused to, uh, to switch the trains that had Pullman cars. Um, and then they started getting fired. The strike and boycott expanded rapidly. Uh, paralyzing the Chicago rail yards and most of the, in, the 24 rail lines in the city. July 2nd, not even a week later, a federal injunction was issued against the leaders of the ARU for compelling or inducing by threats, intimidation, persuasion, force, or violence railway employees to refuse or fail to perform duties. So basically, they're trying to say that Eugene Debs forced them into striking, but that's not what happened at all. Um, That being said, um, July 6th, there was uh, an estimated $340,000 of damages in the South Chicago Panhandle Yards. $340,000 in 1894. Um, at this time in the Chicago vicinity, there were 6,000 federal and state troops, 3,100 police officers, and 5,000 deputy marshals. However, all this manpower could not prevent the, the violence from peaking when on July 7th, National Guardsmen, after being assaulted, fired into the crowd, killing at least four, possibly up to 30, and wounding at least 20. The killing continued when two more people were killed by troops in Spring Valley, Illinois. The point is <clears throat> that the parallels are enormous, right? There, they couldn't force them back to work, so they tried to you know, basically force them under the point of the gun. And they unequivocally, unequivocally said no, and federal troops opened fire on striking workers. Um, I exceptionally hope that history does not repeat itself on that. Um, but yeah, I think the Railway Labor Act or railway labor relations act or whatever it was in 1926 is probably when it was codified into law um the additional sick leave provision was added at the insistence of pro progressive members of the house who had threatened to scuttle the rail agreement bill if sick leave wasn't included hmm That's interesting. I think I may have lost Tricia. Um, 
Nope, I'm here. I just had to mute for a moment. I gotcha. Um, they go on to say, however, it was added using an arcane tactic that will enable the Senate to pass the original rail agreement without including the sick leave position. In other words, the compromise, instead of sticking to their guns and being like, we're not going to vote yes on that unless this is included in that, they proposed it as a separate bill, which passed the House, so they can have the image of, see, well, we tried to give them more sick time, but the mean Republicans in the Senate wouldn't let it happen. I mean, that's that's what I see out of this. Um Senate leaders are now trying to see if they can reach a deal to pass the rail legislation as soon as Wednesday night. That would be tonight. Um, so if that does pass the Senate tonight while we're on the air, um, I'll certainly let you know. Otherwise, we'll be posting about it on the Facebook page and probably writing about it on the website. Um, but a freight rail strike could cost the U.S. economy a billion dollars in its first week alone. Um, as a result, Biden had pushed Congress to immediately pass the legislation to avert a shutdown, again, with this wording. Calling himself a, quote, proud pro-labor president, Biden said in his Monday statement, quote, I am reluctant to override the ratification procedures and the views of those who voted against the agreement but in this case, where the economic impact, read that as billionaire profits, of a shutdown would hurt millions of other working people and families. Notice how our, our proud pro-labor president is punching down. He is putting the blame firmly on the workers and not on the company. Um, but in, right. this, in this case, where the economic impact of a shutdown would hurt millions of other working people and families, I believe Congress must use its powers to adopt this deal. Um, in other words, fuck the workers, the capitalists gotta get theirs. Um, all right, that's not labor at all. That's Biden being a fucking propaganda spewing shill right there, trying to convince people that, um, trying to end this, strike so that these workers don't get their fucking rights acknowledged and put into this contract is going to hurt all these other people. No, it's not. It's going to hurt the fucking profit margins, i.e. stolen wages that the fucking capitalists owning those companies rake in. And I don't give a flying fuck how much this hurts their bank account. If they don't want to have their shit shut down, maybe they should use some of that money to hire more people, hire back the thousands that they fucking fired that left everybody in this fucked up position of having to work fucking 24 hour or more shifts and being on call 24 7, 365. Yeah. And I mean, we're talking specifically about sick time here. That's not counting uh, vacation time, of course, but you have to schedule that like three months out or something ridiculous like that. As you already said, it, it doesn't address their ridiculous labor policy or not labor policy, sorry. Well, all of their labor policies, I suppose, but their attendance po uh, policy is what I was getting at. 
For Biden to call himself pro-labor with that statement makes me want to slap the fucking taste out of his mouth. Because that's not pro-labor. That's pro-shut the fuck up and get back to work. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at look at Biden's CDC. I mean, you know, instead of uh, taking the virus seriously, which in my opinion, Biden never did. But instead of taking the, the virus seriously, they talked like they were going to. And then they said, get the fuck back to work. Yep. Yep. That's not pro-labor as in the labor force. That's pro do the work and shut the fuck up. We don't want to hear you complain about basically being enslaved. Right. Big surprise coming from Biden. That's facetiousness, by the way. Yeah. For him to call himself pro-labor while trying to force people to take a shit contract that is still, after all this time, not addressing the actual issue. And, like, the media has still been trying to paint it as, oh, they just want more money. No. No, they, they want to have enough time to actually live. They want to have enough time to go home and see their fucking families. They want to have enough time to actually get a full night's rest before having to go the fuck back in. They want to not be on call constantly where it doesn't matter how many hours they just worked. They could have just driven a couple hours home and be, you know, sitting down to eat their food and try to kick their feet up and fucking relax after working fucking 17 days straight and get called right the fuck back in. They, they want to be treated as human beings, not as fucking chattel. Yeah. One hundred percent. It's been a pretty quiet night in the chat tonight. Uh, I mean, we got some viewers. You guys are more than welcome to put your thoughts in. Um. I mean, I, I'm sure that you've all got thoughts on Congress taking this kind of action, uh, you know, and if they have this kind of power against the railway workers, then do you think that they're going to hesitate to do it to industrial workers or to do nope. it for the draft? They literally feel entitled to force people to work that is slavery. Yep. Don't give a fuck what compensation you're getting in a paycheck. If you aren't, if you have zero say in the number of hours that you work for a shift, if you have zero say in the number of days a week that you work, if you have zero say in getting a reasonable amount of um, paid sick leave and even just regular old fucking time off, you are a fucking slave. Yeah. Only slaves have those things. Um. Only difference here is the railroad doesn't actually own their meat suits. Right. But wage slavery is still slavery. Um, so they did do a piece yesterday um cnn business did actually that's shocking 
but the, the headline is rail unions decry Biden's call for Congress to block strike and businesses praise the plan. Um, so we're going to go through this article a little bit. There's a video I want to show, which is fine. There we go. There's that. So this can potentially really affect our economy, as we just told you moments ago. President Biden urging Congress to do something to avert a rail strike, saying, quote, a rail shutdown would devastate our economy. A strike would happen as soon as December 9th, leading to travel disruptions, chain supply, um, supply chain, I should say, shortages and higher food and gas prices. Let's discuss now. Matthew Weaver is here. He serves as an organizer and Ohio's legislative director for the third largest rail workers union in the U.S. Um, his union, the Brotherhood of Maintenance of Way Employees, represents 23,000 rail workers. Um, good morning to you, Matthew. There's about 150,000 railway workers around the country. So this could potentially affect a lot of people. Um, we're glad that you're joining us. Talk about the main sticking point here, paid leave. Why is this so important for you guys? At this point in time, it's paid sick days that maintenance away employees need. We are considered essential. And it seems like with the look at a ticker tape, we're expendable from essential to expendable in a you know, snap of fingers. It's very frustrating. I want to play something that President Biden said last year about how important unions are to him and get your reaction. Here he was. You know, you've heard me uh, say many times, I intend to be the most pro-union president, leading the most pro-union administration in American history. Now he's made clear that he believes Congress should step in and stop you guys from being able to strike. You said he is, quote, catering to the oligarchs. What do you mean? It certainly seems that campaign, campaign finance and lobbying affect our politicians, our public servants' uh, votes and their actions. I, I think that if he wants to really serve the American people, he should um, take what the tentative agreement was and impose sick, paid sick days. That, that would make, I, I believe that would have many, many more of our members would be voting yes on something with paid sick days. Do you believe a strike is worth it? if it cripples the U.S. economy and costs up to $2 billion a day and the president says, you know, up to 765,000 union jobs in the first two weeks, is it worth it? I honestly don't think we are that near a strike. Most, many of our members don't want to strike. We don't want to strike. We want what's just. We want, in this day and age of um, high inflation, you know, and, and a pandemic around illness, we, we would like paid sick days. Matthew, I think you make a really important point there that you, do, you don't want to strike. This isn't something you're seeking, but right. it's something that rail workers feel they need to push for because of, of not getting what you need here. In President Biden's statement yesterday, he said that the secretaries of labor, agriculture and transportation, his three top lieutenants who have been dealing with this, basically see that there is no path to resolve the dispute at the bargaining table, and that's why they're recommending they seek Congress to take action here. Do you trust that the administration has basically done their best at the bargaining table to, to advocate for you? I like the fact that the influence from the DOL and DOT are helping us, but I feel like the carriers are not bargaining in good faith. They are um, worshiping the shareholders 
Mm. It's profit over people in America, and it's very frustrating. I love that idea of. I mean, I like. There's parts of it that I don't like. I'll get to that in a second. I do like that uh, they gave him a chance to speak his piece. What I don't like is how they tried to, you know, like, well, is it worth it if it causes this much damage to the American people? Like, well, uh, they are not the ones doing it. And then I'm, I like how he responded. We don't want to go on strike. We want to keep working. These are the things that we need. Right. And sorry, not sorry, but their demand for 15 days of sick leave for the year was not too much to ask for. Matter of fact, I would say even that is not enough. So for Pelosi to sit here and parade around and pretend like she achieved something awesome because the company had fired back with, well, how about one more day of sick leave? And she was like, oh, we got to at least get him seven. But with me, people, um, like, no, these are literal half measures. They said 15 days. Give them their fucking 15 days. Right. fuck's sake i bet everybody in europe is probably looking at this shit show going what the fuck how are these railroad yards like not on fire yet because in most places in europe like if you are sick your fucking time off of paid sick leave is determined by what illness you have and how long your doctor puts you off from work with damn near full pay right France would be burning some shit. I know that much. Um, there's all these, uh, I guess while we're talking about economics, there's all these uh, people pointing to um, stock surges and GDP growth as, as reasons why a recession is going to uh, the U.S. is going to escape a recession in 2023, but officially we are already in a recession, and I don't buy this narrative that real disposable income grew over the last 30 days somehow after like a whole year of falling. Uh, the Federal Reserve has made very clear their goal is to get wages down, right, so that is not the prices are still going to be high right they might start they might stop growing maybe if the federal reserve plan works um but the working class will not be in any better of a position in fact they will be in a worse position than they are now um right. the, the fact that their response to that is oh you don't have enough money to survive we should pay you less tells you everything that you need to know about those motherfuckers right and, and i mean the reason that we're talking about these particular issues is to talk about the hold that the capitalist class has over our lives they have us by the balls right now we don't have any sort of real class solidarity we don't have any sort of meaningful survival networks 
and I'm not saying that there's not groups that are doing good work in that direction. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm trying to encourage other people to do the same. Um, because at the end of the day, the only person, the only people who have us is us. Right. Right. And what we're seeing pop up on a smaller level in individual communities, as far as building that dual power needs to happen across the fucking board everywhere. Mm -hmm. We must separate ourselves from this fucking dependency on the capitalists. Honestly, like, these two railroad unions are so fucking huge that these groups of people could literally come together and probably easily get, you know, the, the business loans, et cetera, the funding to start their own railway company that they all equally own. A worker-owned and operated co-op-style business. And let the fucking companies that are screwing them over stink. Well, I mean, we need a worker state and we need that worker state to have management over the newly nationalized railroads. But <clears throat> I digress. Um. <clears throat> Just saying that that could be one way to help push towards a worker's of like yes okay there's nothing in um corporate law that prevents you from starting up your own business as an owner operated co-op where everyone has a stake in the company so do Ooh, it right right um i want to give a trigger warning to um the audience for our next topic we are going to be talking about the shooting at Club Q in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Um, if you are not capable of hearing this discussion, I don't blame you at all. Um, but I, I, I think that we both feel that it's something we really need to talk about. We haven't had a stream since it happened. I wanted to go live the next day and talk about it, but honestly, I'm kind of glad that I waited because the response from the LGBT, LGBTQ community and the response from the left community in general, um, you know, I feel say a lot about the whole love versus hate, good versus evil thing that is happening here. Um, but uh, Late November 19th or early November 20th, depending on, I, I forget exactly how the time frame fell out. Um, there was a mass shooting at Club Q in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Five people were killed, 25 others injured, 19 of them by gunfire. Um, the accused, Anderson Lee uh, Aldrich, was also injured and taken to a local hospital. I have some things to say about that in a minute. <clears throat> um, I, I intend to show his mugshot so you can um, kind of understand that, well, that still wasn't what he deserved, but it was at least a step in the right direction. Um, he got his fucking face stomped in for that, and he totally had a fucking coming. Mm -hmm. He's got more coming. 
but yep, there was um I can't remember his name now, but there's you know, a husband and wife and one of their adult children and a friend um at the club and if I remember right, I think the guy's former military and he snatched the guy up, disarmed him and pistol whipped him with his own fucking yeah. gun. As I said, we'll we'll get to that in a minute. His name though is Richard Fierro, and he is a Marine Corps vet. Um, I I love that uh, home dude also caught a few stilettos to the face. They're very effective. Yes. Um. So basically, uh. For a while, it, it's been open since 2002. For a while, it was the only LGBTQ club in Colorado Springs, which is the second biggest city in Colorado. Um, a 2021 article by Denver-based magazine 5280 noted the club to be a place where, uh, quote, where LGBTQ folks went for drag performances, dance parties, and drinks. So what part of what makes this so heart-wrenching is that this shooting occurred the night before Transgender, Transgender Day of Remembrance. Um, right. I, I'd also like to point out that since 2019, Colorado has had a red flag law that allows citizens or law enforcement to, to petition a court to order the removal of firearms from a potentially dangerous person. Um, so yep. it's a, it's a show, I think, of how liberal gun control doesn't work. Uh, the only people that these types of laws affect are minorities, mostly. Um, but Colorado... Yeah, that kid was disarmed under that fucking law because he recently barricaded his family home, threatened with explosives, threatened to murder his own mom, and... These dumb fucking pigs there didn't do shit. They let him slide on domestic violence so he could go straight into domestic well, terrorism. They they let him slide on a whole slew of charges, actually. Uh, threatening with explosions, uh, domestic violence, kidnapping, uh, barricading oneself in a building. Uh, there was a whole slew of charges, and they were dropped and the record sealed. Um that is that is one of the things that I wanted to get to here in a minute. Um, but I, I'm going off of the Wikipedia about it, and uh, they kind of put prior incidents in a funny spot. But anyway, the point is the the event you're talking about was last year, June 18th, 2021, was arrested after Laura Vopel reported that her son issued a bomb threat against her. Initially, he did not surrender, and during the resulting standoff, neighboring homes had to be evacuated. However, no charges were filed, and the details of the case were sealed. No charges were filed is not entirely accurate. There was a whole slew of charges filed, but they were dropped. Right. The, the details of the case were sealed. Um, there is no record that the yep. police or relatives attempted to trigger the red flag law, which might have allowed for the seizure of any weapons and ammunition that he possessed. Um, that being said, I still don't have faith in how those laws would be enforced. I still, I have mixed feelings on red flag laws, but a situation like this, if it had been used properly, could have potentially prevented it. But the point is, is that the law is on the books 
Um, multiple red flags were exhibited and nothing happened. This is why I don't trust right. liberals. But anyway, um, and then in July of this year, uh, Aldrich and his, and his mother had conflicts with other passengers and flight crew uh, in a July flight from California to Denver. He was filmed by another passenger after deplaning while saying, I wish I could shoot all of you and you keep following me and I'm going to fuck you up. Um, and apparently on the whole flight, they had been harassing and insulting other pa passengers and uh, the crew. Um, well, let's be very specific here because he wasn't just insulting them. They were using racial slurs. So he's, he's racist, fucking bigoted trash. You're probably right. I don't know exactly what was said, but that would still be under harassment in my mind anyway. I mean, obviously, it's a more serious form of harassment, and all of this comes down to hate crimes at the end of the day. Um, Just wanted to context there to, to go with the fact that this individual is a fucking bigot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, without a fucking doubt. Um, anyway, back to the uh, shooting itself. Um, according to the police chief, uh, the shooting began when the shooter entered Club Q while a dance party was being held, wearing body armor and wielding an AR-15 style rifle. He also had a pistol, which has not been uh, mentioned yet. Uh, the AR was the primary weapon used, though. Um, the shooter immediately began shooting at people while moving further into the building. Many survivors at first mistook the gunfire for being part of the music until the gunfire continued and patrons saw the muzzle flash. Multiple people sheltered behind the bar and in dressing rooms while others stayed low to the ground. Minutes into the shooting, a club patron identified as US, Ar oh, US Army. I thought I read uh, Marine Corps previously, but either way, he was a veteran. Richard M. Fierro charged across the room and tackled the shooter to the ground, causing the rifle to fall out of reach. Fierro then grabbed the handgun from the shooter's hand and used it to hit the shooter repeatedly in the head. Um, Fierro was assisted by other patrons, including Thomas James, who moved the rifle away to safety, and a trans woman who used her high heels. I have read conflicting accounts on that. Some say trans woman, some say drag queen, um, because not all drag queens are trans women. I'm not sure what right. the truth is on that. If some, if someone in the comments is able to uh, shed some light on that, I, I'm not sure which is true. Uh, anyway, uh, who used her high steels to stomp on the shooter who helped disable and hold the shooter down until the authorities arrive. Um, Fierro estimated the shooter's weight at about 300 pounds. Who estimates someone someone's weight? Um, it's typically included in descriptions of anybody who is in the process of committing a crime. They might have specified that they're just to understand just how massive of a young man these guys had to disarm and detain. Yeah. Um. Police received an initial call for service regarding the shooting at 11.56 p.m. on November 19th, with the first officer being dispatched a minute later. 
I, I do want to say that I feel like the shooter probably intended to go in there on the beginning of Trans Day of Remembrance. I think the day the date was chosen intention chosen chosen intentionally. Um, I think that this was a well thought out, premeditated hate crime. Um, anyway, the first responding officer arrived in the area at 12 o'clock midnight and arrested a suspect two minutes later. A total of 39 patrol officers from all four divisions of the Colorado Springs Police Department, along with 34 firefighters, 11 and, and 11 ambulances responded to the scene. Um, the suspect was in custody within about five minutes after the first 911 call. After the shooting stopped, many at first were uh, reluctant to leave from hiding spots as they were unsure if the shooter was reloading or had been stopped. Um, Fierro, who had been covered in blood, was placed in police custody in a squad car for over an hour before he was cleared of suspicion and released. Um, Leave it to pigs to arrest the person who stopped the problem. Reminds right. me of Uvalde. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. Um, according to eyewitness accounts, well, I, again, this is just Wikipedia, but according to eyewitness accounts, um, like the cops tackled him before they even touched the suspect. Yeah. Who obviously was in no condition to get up. I mean, frankly, Richard Fierro thought that the dude was dead and kept hitting him anyway. I mean, I don't blame him. Yeah. His, his daughter's boyfriend was one of the five that was shot. He was literally there with his wife and kids. And, you know, right. he, he's also been very adamant that he is not a hero, that he did what any well-intentioned person would have done. And either way, he could not be the hero for his daughter's boyfriend, you know? So keep in mind that he lost somebody in this too. Right. Um, what he did, it's absolutely what should be any decent person's fucking normal response. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do want to... I guess take a moment of silence for uh, Daniel Davis, Aston, Kelly Loving, Ashley Pog, Derek Rump, and Raymond Green Vance. Um, Surprisingly enough, the Colorado Springs Police Department at the press conference actually, uh, you know, used the appropriate names and pronouns, um, you know, instead of dead naming them and giving the incorrect gender. Um, right. Still doesn't mean that they're good cops by any means, but it, it's, it surprised me. Um, so that brings me to kind of like aftermath, um, which I'll start with what they have, you know, the, the vigil, um, on November 20th at All Souls Unitarian Church, um, additional memorials and events were held out throughout the week, um, not just in Colorado Springs, 
Um, and notably, a lot of things like drag story time or, you know, like uh, toy drives that LGBTQ groups are doing, um, things like that, they've actually been showing up defended. They've actually been showing, I mean, I, I've heard about it from all over, from, you know, like here in New England to Tennessee to Texas. I mean, communities, specifically the, the left wing and the LGBTQ communities are coming together in the name of defense. Yeah. And I guess if, I mean, I mean, it's in a it's a tragedy that this thing happened in the first place but if there's anything good that could come out of a situation like this i'm glad that people are at least recognizing that there is a very active threat uh you know focus on the family um the proud boys uh nsc 131 um tennessee first i think was the the fascist group there um point is is that that people are finally starting to recognize these threats as threats um right when it comes to events like this we really do need our own armed security to protect the people there this it shouldn't have taken this for people to realize it because Proud Boys and NSC, etc. They have shown up at so many LGBTQ events threatening violence that I can't even count how many times at this point. It's been all too frequent. Those motherfuckers are finding the fucking testicular fortitude to keep showing up and threatening people merely for fucking existing. Um, they like to sit here and talk shit and try to say that you know, drag queen story hour is trying to turn kids gay and all this other shit and calling people groomers. Well, guess what? I don't know of any fucking cases of drag queen pedophiles. I know of lots of cases of right wing extremists, fucking alt right males being pedophiles. And a lot of them are in their own fucking ranks. And instead, they're out here trying to use that false accusation against others as a justification for their fucking abuse and mistreatment of the LGBTQ community and for threatening with violence. And the only thing that is going to stop them is our own armed security. Like what happened in Tennessee. Oh, a handful of them showed up armed. They were met by like 30-some armed leftists going, fuck you, you're not coming here killing anybody. Right. You know, like, you know, strapped with shields. <laughs> a lot of them had plate carriers, you know, and like these five dudes with like pistols and hoodies and no plate carriers come up like, oh, fuck. You know, right. and then they're like, oh, hey, aren't you the dude that lives at Spouse's address? Oh, gold. <laughs> right, right. That stuff right there will oftentimes stop them dead in their tracks when they realize they've been identified and, you know, the people in the community know where the fuck to find them. Like, don't show up here trying to threaten violence and think that we're not capable of fucking bringing it right back to your actual doorstep. Yeah. One of those things, Nazis should not feel safe going out not seeing in public. 
Yeah. Um, so uh, this kid was 22, born in California. Um, his grandfather was a, a now outgoing member of the California State Assembly from the Republican Party and a former mayor of the city of Santee, California. Um, uh, yeah, this kid, right-wing extremist family, period, plain and simple. They are right. His dad's an enormous fucking bigot. I've seen video clips of his dad being interviewed after this shooting, and his dad is such a cunt that his response was, that at least his son wasn't one of the gay people in the bar. He was glad that his son was the shooter. Yeah, and then he, he kind of like, well, first of all, he seemed drunk, um, possibly on meth. <laughs> um, yeah. But like, he kind of like tried to backpedal that a little bit, but it was too late. You can't take that back. Right. Um. Anyway, he was a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in his early teens. Um, grew up on the north side of San Antonio, Texas. Uh, records indicate that he was a target of online bullying that involved homophobic taunts while in high school. Um, he changed his name to From Brink. Um, he, he, the not his biological father obvious or yes his his father i'm sorry i tried to like skim back and make sure i was getting it right and i was fucking it all up anyway his father aaron brink was a former pornographic film actor and mma fighter um who had multiple criminal convictions he changed his name to try to distance himself from that um Aldridge's attorneys have said in court documents that their client is non-binary and uses they, them pro pronouns. Um, I, 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 yeah, I really, really doubt that. Um, I, neighbor, they are making that up as an excuse to try to pretend as if this wasn't an all out fucking hate crime when it uh -huh. was. Uh-huh. Um, neighbors allege Aldrich to have made hateful comments towards the LGBTQ community, including frequent usage of the F word when infuriated, and that Aldrich never hinted to be uh, of a non-binary identity before. According to TMZ, friends of the shooter have also come forward saying Aldrich never hinted to a non-binary identity before, and that this may be a ploy to beat the hate crime charges that have been pressed. Um, the Daily Dot reported that some have questioned the sincerity of Aldrich's assertion of being non-binary and noted that in a video of his 2021 arrest that was obtained by CNN, Aldrich referred to themself, themself, they put themselves there as boy. Um, that so, would be himself then. <laughs> Yeah. Um, the shooting was widely condemned by politicians like Jim Crow Joe said, quote, while no motive in this attack is yet clear. Are you fucking kidding me? No motive. Listen to his father's really? response and tell him that there isn't a deeply ingrained motive. 
Um, right. We know that the LGBTQ plus community has been subjected to horrific hate violence in recent years. Uh, governor Jared Polis, uh, the nation's first openly gay governor, said, uh, the governor of Colorado, by the way, said, quote, we are eternally grateful for the brave individuals who blocked the shooter, likely saving lives in the process, and called for an examination of the application of Colorado's red flag law by Colorado's sheriff. Uh, Transportation Secretary uh, Pete the Rat Buttigieg said that anti-LGBT political discourse is partially to blame for the shooting. Uh, and the El Paso County government said, we are deeply saddened by the senseless shooting that occurred early this morning in Colorado Springs at Club Q and sent condolences to support victims' families. Um, but I mean, if there's not going to be any sort of prevention, though, these words at the end of the day mean nothing. What does mean something right. is the communities coming together, the communities having each other's backs, the communities picking up arms if necessary to defend their lives from people who want them dead for no other reason than their gender identity or sexual orientation. Um, now I guess I'm going to put a content warning because I'm going to get into uh, some right-wing responses to the shooting. I'm going to be quick with this. I don't think I think that I can safely preface them now saying that I disagree with everything that is about to be said. And these people are the people that started these mindsets um, that led to this whole thing to begin with. In their responses to the shooting, several far-right pundits have promoted an LGBT grooming conspiracy theory, as well as perpetuating a moral panic. Conservative media personality Tucker Carlson displayed a banner on his Fox News program, Tucker Carlson Tonight, that read, quote, stop sexualizing kids, while later hosting a guest who said that mass shootings would keep happening, quote, until we end this evil agenda that is attacking children. Reactionary influencer Tim Pool, I forgot about that guy. He's still around. People still watch that shit. Bigot. Sure. Um, responded to the shooting by criticizing the venue's drag show performances, saying, quote, we shouldn't tolerate pedophiles grooming kids. Club Q had a grooming event. Well, this was a bar. There were no fucking right. kids there. This was midnight. This was a bar. Um, right. Your arguments don't hold water. Not only are the daytime events kept family friendly because they are open to all ages but this was a bar that is not open to all ages this was an adult crowd um i mean i'll give you the names i'm not going to go through all their all of their statements but right-wing commentators matt walsh candace owens chaya rychik and representative marjorie taylor green all continued to publish content targeting LGBTQ people, some of which was focused on the Colorado area. 
After issuing, issuing a statement about the shooting in which she offered her prayers to those affected and called for the lawless violence to end, Representative Lauren Boebert, remember, she's a Republican from Colorado, uh, was criticized by some who accused her of hypocrisy based on her history of making anti-LGBTQ uh, comments such as promoting the litter boxes in schools hoax and blocking gun control laws. So I don't like that the liberal author of that part of this specifically added blocking gun control laws um, because gun control laws are most effectively used against minorities and other oppressed populations, historically, not just in the United States, but historically. The laws that are in place already should have stopped this and didn't, to just reiterate on that point. So fuck their trope bullshit right there of pretending as if more gun laws is going to prevent anything because the fucking red flag law that should have prevented this didn't get used. Right. Um, Jenna Ellis, a former lawyer for Donald Trump, was criticizing for saying that the five people killed during the shooting were, quote, now reaping the consequences of having eternal damnation. Oh, hell no. Wow. Wow. No. No, no, bitch. Fuck all of that. And then far-right provocateurs, including Jack Posebeek, I don't, I don't know. I don't care about getting his name right either, have questioned Richard Fierro's presence at the drag show, invoking unfounded transphobic and homophobic insinuations. Or he was there with his family, who were all adults, mind you, but he was there with his family. Right. Like just because he went to a gay bar doesn't mean he's gay. And even if he was, so fucking what? Right. Ain't nobody's business as far as, you know, what kind of relationships he and his wife partake in. It's nobody's fucking business but their own. Um, I don't get where people get off thinking that they can even fucking try to extrapolate some shit like that. But no, nope, I know a lot of straight people who go to gay bars because they enjoy coming to gay bars. Why? Because it's typically a more comfortable scene where you're not treated like a straight up fucking meat market, like in many fucking straight bars. You can go to a gay bar and hang out without getting like sexually harassed in most fucking cases things like that it's actually a comfortable fucking scene whether you're gay or straight just not for bigots exactly um analysis published by the institute for strategic dialogue i don't know much about this group uh but they have estimated that online usage of the terms pedophile and groomer increased by several orders uh in the days following the shooting as part of a far-right and neo-nazi celebration of the massacre. So uh, I base, I guess, basically to sum up, if you see anybody, you know, making excuses for the shooter or making it sound like they got what's coming or that the shooting was in any way a good thing, just know that you're probably associating with some sort of Nazi. 
Right. Um, and if they're not Nazis, they're most likely at minimum a fucking incel on the path to Nazism. Right. But a lot of these fuckers are about, like, their whole issue with people being gay is these incels literally feel entitled to having a wet hole fucking allotted to them to stick their dick in. And they're not getting one. And they really think that it's a problem that, you know, there's women out there who would rather be in relationships with other women because that's who they're actually fucking attracted to. They see that as taking away from them their allotment of woman, things like that. They think that um, it's the gay community's problem or fault that, you know, oh, birth rates are dropping and nobody wants to fuck me and incubate my sperm. And they have zero, zero fucking self-awareness of like, maybe if you weren't a piece of shit, somebody would find you attractive, but it's completely your personality and your perspective of why you are walking pussy deterrent, um, things like that. But they, they love to try to blame other people for their own shortcomings as human beings and be like, this is why I'm not getting laid. Like, no, you are why you are not getting laid in cell. Yeah. That's why the alt-right tends to go after um, sexually frustrated teenage boys and cater to their fucking insecurities because it makes an easy fucking path for recruitment when they're like, oh, we understand your pain. Yep. They're easily targeted by these groups. They're easily mind-fucked into that type of setting because they actually think that, you know, they're finding some kind of solidarity there with their own in this fucking neo-Nazi White Lives Matter fucking movement with its false claims of white replacement theory and all this other bullshit. And it's like, stop. And look in the mirror, and that right there is the reason why your dick is unchosen. You. You. Not anybody else. Yeah. Getting so sick of these fucks. They literally feel entitled to go around killing people. It doesn't matter whether they're shooting up gay clubs or whether they're shooting up concerts because they see happy couples together. Because that was the case with the um, shooting in Las Vegas a few years ago at the country concert. That was a fucking incel shooter. Uh, there's so many fucking cases of mass shootings in recent years that were incels. That the media just didn't fucking talk about that part of this specific form of mind fuck that these guys are, you know, they're, they're getting red pill, black pill, fucking whatever you want to call it. And, and thinking that they now have the right to go kill other people for being in a happy relationship or to kill other people for not making themselves available for a relationship with them. This is a fucking problem. It's a massive fucking problem. And it's growing steadily because it's going untalked about and unchecked. There's only certain circles where I even find anybody aware of, of what's happening here with the incels 
merging in with these neo-Nazi groups and the extreme level of violence that's going to continue to fucking happen if we don't put a goddamn stop to it. been fucking researching these motherfuckers for years now and all I can say is if you don't know what I'm talking about here go look on incel forums on reddit go look at incels.co or incels.us and look at the fucking fantasies that they go off fucking you know describing in detail about raping and murdering people because their dicks are unchosen And I have a feeling that that is a huge factor with this kid here specifically and his outright fucking bigotry and choosing a gay club to shoot. He fits every fucking paradigm of what an incel is. Every fucking attribute. The only thing that would solidify it more is if he was wearing a fedora and rocking a neck beard. This is a massive fucking problem. These neo-Nazi groups are literally targeting teenage boys and, you know, like ones in their early 20s to recruit them to their fucking cause of absolute uncontrollable fucking violence. We as a society have to do something here because there's something inherently wrong. And I've said this before about other situations that end up falling into this massive group of, you know, what the fuck is going on here? But we are doing something so very wrong with how we are raising white males in this fucking country. And we're seeing it now. We're seeing the results. How many more people have died at the hands of these motherfuckers? Before we change the way that we are raising people with patriarchal attitudes of fucking entitlement, with alt-right attitudes of fucking bigotry. This is an overall massive societal problem.
Hello, sorry about that. I uh, went out to smoke a cigarette and I guess uh, Trisha got disconnected. <laughs> um, yeah, I see that you're back, question mark. Oh, connecting the audio. Uh, there we go. Okay. I lost signal altogether. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. Wow, it's not even showing me your video feed there. Hmm. Well, come back. I don't even know at what point it cut out mid rant. I don't know. <clears throat> I meant to grab a drink on my way back in too, and I forgot. Um. I want to read uh, just a little excerpt, though, of Socialism and Man in Cuba by Che Guevara. Um, there is a section called New Consciousness. Uh, although I feel like I should start with the individual and socialism and just read both because one gives context to the other. Um, so I'll start with the individual and socialism. Quote, I would now like to try to define the individual, the actor in the strange and moving drama of the building of socialism and a dual existence as a unique being and as a member of society. I think the place to start is to recognize the individual's quality of incompleteness, of being an unfinished product. The vestiges of the past are brought into the present in one's consciousness and a continual labor is necessary to eradicate them. The process is two-sided. On the one hand, society acts through direct and indirect education. On the other, the individual submits to a conscious process of self-education. The new society in formation has to complete, compete fiercely with the past. This past makes itself felt not only in one's consciousness, in which the residue of an education systematically oriented towards isolating the individual still weighs heavily, but also through the very character of this transition period in which commodity relations still persist. The commodity is the economic cell of capital, uh, capitalist society. So as long as it, is, as it exists, its effects will make themselves felt in the organization of production and consequently in consciousness. So the reason I wanted to get into this, right, is because this is what we need to be in our on-the-ground work thinking about how we are going to bring society into the modern age. Um, Marx outlined the transition period as resulting from the explosive transformation of the capitalist system destroyed by its own contradictions. And historical reality, however, we have seen that some countries were weak limbs on the tree uh, of imperialism were torn off first, a phenomenon foreseen by Lenin. In these countries, capitalism has developed sufficiently to make its effects felt by the people in one way or another, uh, but it was not capitalism, capitalism's internal contradictions that having exhausted all possibilities caused the system to explode. The struggle for liberation from a foreign oppressor 
the misery caused by external events such as war, whose consequences uh, privileged classes place on the backs of the exploited. Liberation movements aimed at overthrowing neo-colonial regimes. These are the usual factors in unleashing this kind of explosion. Conscious action does the rest. A complete education for social labor has not yet taken place in these countries, and wealth is far from being within the reach of the masses through the simple process of appropriation. Under development, on the one hand, and the usual flight of capital on the other, make a rapid transition without sacrifices impossible. There remains a long way to go in constructing the economic base. And I mean, in our context, we, are, we still have a very long way to go. <laughs> um, I mean, the economic base is constructed, but I mean, constructing our own economic base. Anyway, and the temptation is very great to follow the beaten track of material interest as the lever uh, with which to accelerate development. There is a danger that the forest will not be seen for the trees. The pipe dream that socialism can be achieved with the help of the dull instruments left to us by capitalism, uh, the commodity is the economic cell, profitability, individual material interest as a layer, etc., can lead into a blonde alley. When you wind up there, after having traveled a long distance with many, uh, sorry, with many crossroads, it is hard to figure out just where you took the wrong turn. Meanwhile, the economic foundation that has been laid has done its work of undermining the development of consciousness. To build communism, it is necessary, simultaneous with the new material foundations, to build the new man and woman. Um, and that brings us in to new consciousness. Um, that is why it is very important to choose the right instrument for mobilizing the masses. Basically, this instrument must be moral in character without neglecting, however, a correct use of the material incentive, especially of a social character. As, of, as I have already said, in moments of great peril, it is easy to muster a powerful response with moral incentives. Uh, retaining their effectiveness, however, requires the development of a consciousness in which there is a new scale of values. Society as a whole must be converted into a gigantic school. This is kind of an expansion on um, Mao's theory of cultural revolution, right? This is this is yep. what this is literally what we're talking about when we're talking about building socialism. We are talking about building a whole new society. So, you know, just... Right. Um, anyway, I can, I'll, I'll just drop the... Uh, oh, what did I just do? Well, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm still here, so that's a plus. There we go. I, I somehow disconnected my um, um, second screen. Yeah. Um, I will put in the comments on Facebook the link to uh, that paper from the Marxist Internet Archives. I'll do the same. 
I don't know why I did that as a reply to James. That's weird. Hold on. Let me let me do that again. There we go. Um, <clears throat> it's a good paper to read, and I, I'm not going to take you through the whole thing. Obviously, I'm not even going to finish that section. The point is, is that's what that's where we are at, and our that is an aspect of where we are at in our society right now. Like we have to contend with some awful thinking on the other side and we have to make big strides and I guess how we're able to get through to people on that. Um, but we need to redefine society as a whole, the relations within it and ultimately who we are as a people. The White Panther Party back in the 60s, the original White Panther Party referred to it as a total assault on the culture. Oh, Bell Hooks referred to it as racist capitalist patriarchy because there is no separating those three facets of it when racism and sexism are used to uphold capitalism and this is where intersectionality definitely comes to the table because you cannot address one of those issues without addressing all of them. This requires an overhaul in mentality, in way of thinking, in way of being, in way of living, an entire societal change away from these fucking oppressive abuses. Mm, I know one more thing that I wanted to touch on uh, Leonard Peltier's annual letter to the National Day of Mourning. Um, but if I don't know how many people in the audience tonight are familiar with the National Day of Mourning, um, but this was the 50th, 50, well, it's the 50th because they didn't do it for two years because of COVID, um, but it started in 1970. Um, Every year, besides COVID, they gather uh, near Plymouth Rock. Um, it's a massive demonstration. Uh, they open it with a prayer ceremony, which was not live streamed <coughs> because, you know, that is uh, a, a sacred. Yeah, exactly. That is a sacred event that you need to be there for. Um, and the um, the discussion revolved heavily around uh, colonialism, um, around the lie of Thanksgiving, um, which, I mean, we talked quite a bit about that last year. Um, I, I had hoped to do a Thanksgiving or National Day of Mourning piece this year. Um, but we did not uh, manage to make that happen. Shit's been crazy. Anyway, uh, Leonard Peltier every year writes a letter uh, that is to be read publicly at the National Day of Mourning. Um, I'm gonna see if I can find a video rather than reading it. Um, Liberation News, uh, and workers.org uh, published it, as well as the 
United American Indians of New England, who are the ones that hold the, they do not have a video. It's not that long though, I'll just read it. Um, Cause I'm not gonna try to find that specific spot out of like a five hour video. Right. Uh, anyway. Um, greetings, my relatives, friends, loved ones, and supporters. First of all, I want to be—I I, want to thank you for the privilege of being allowed to express my feelings about this day of mourning, as we call it, and day of Thanksgiving, as the rest of the U.S. calls it. Sometimes I'm at a loss for words to express all the thoughts I have going on my going on in my head after 45 years of imprisonment. I do want to express my appreciation for our ancestors before us who fought so hard that we would live today. I want to express my feelings of remembrance for the ones who were overpowered by the weapons of war coming from Europe and the pandemics they face. Uh, though we have been attacked by the invaders from Europe over and over in every way possible and everything that has been done to destroy us, our culture and traditions, we still survived until today because we are an expression of the creator's will and, and an expression of the creator's truth. We are a manifestation of that truth that all mankind should live within the boundary of those laws. There is nothing that came from Europe that has made this, por this portion of the earth a better place to live. But like all nature, we have survived and nature continues to survive, though mankind is on the edge of destroying itself. The truths that our people spoke of, the need to live in harmony with each other, the creator, the mother earth, and respect one another's approach to spirituality, when expressed by non-Indians becomes a sensation around the world. We must continue to speak our truth, to live our truth, and to support one another, for there lies our sur survival. The most powerful weapons that we can obtain is knowledge of truth and love for one another, and the practice of that truth and love. We must unite and work together every chance we can and embrace all others who are of like mind and willing to work to correct this worldwide pandemic of greed and selfishness that has infected the entire earth and mankind. On this day of mourning, let us remember our relatives before us who fought every challenge imaginable that we might survive and in our prayers say, quote, thanks for not giving up. Thanks for giving your lives that we might live. And to all of you out there, I want to say thanks for not giving up on me and my quest for freedom. May the creator bless you in every way. Your brother always, uh, always in all ways. And the, in the spirit of Crazy Horse and the Resistance, Leonard Peltier. Every year, um, he writes one of these letters and it's read um, at the event, which I hope to go to next year, to be honest. I didn't even think about the fact that, uh, you know, Plymouth Rock is within driving distance. Um, you know, I'm used to <laughs> being in Arizona. Um, But yeah, I'm going to support or I'm going to post 
the UAINE website in the comments. That is uh, the United American Indians of New England. All right. Do you have any uh, other things you want to talk about or? Um, yes, actually, if you can grab the link from our group chat, um, I'd like to dig into that article about the police getting robots. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. That are programmed to kill. Good old California. Um, so, I mean, I guess what surprises me about this is how, like, little coverage relatively this has gotten for being the as big of an issue as it is. Um, yeah. This is the state of our dystopian nightmares coming to fruition. Yeah, um, I'm gonna see if I can find a video of Chief Bill Scott. Bill, goddammit, Bill Scott. Killing robots, I don't know. Uh, nope, it doesn't look like I can, like I can easily find a video anyway. Um, supervisors in San Francisco voted Tuesday to give city police the ability to use potentially lethal remote controlled robots in emergency situations. Following an emotionally charged debate that reflected divisions on the politically li liberal board over support for law enforcement. The vote was eight to three, with the majority agreeing to grant police the option despite strong objections from civil liberties and other police oversight groups. Opponents said the authority would lead to further militarization of a police force already too aggressive with poor and minority communities. Uh, Supervisor Connie Chan, a member of the committee that forwarded the proposal to the full board, said she understood concerns over use of force, but that according to state law, we are required to approve the use of these equipments. So here we are, and it's definitely not a, an easy discussion. Um, the police department said it does not have any pre-armed robots and has no plans to arm robots with guns, but the department could deploy robots equipped with explosive charges to contact, incapacitate, or disorient uh, violent, armed, or dangerous suspects when lives are at stake. Robots equipped in this manner would only be used in extreme circumstances to save or prevent further loss of innocent lives. But, uh, you know, the it more that the we arm, 
the police, the more they use it against us. That's what history shows. The more militarization we get, in fact, the less safe we are. Yep. And then you're going to extend that to robots, which are at this time, at, at this time, the uh, robots, um, you know, may not be using guns, but it doesn't really they rule can... that out. It opens the door for that. Right. Them saying we haven't done it yet doesn't mean they won't. Right. Well, and doesn't have plans to doesn't mean that that won't change. Or that they're even telling the truth about not having plans to. Like, when you're already openly talking about how you're going to strap them up with explosives, what difference does it make? Right. I mean, explosives or a firearm. Um, either way. Um, I think that that opens a door to, um, you know, situations like autonomous robots making this call. Obviously, we're a long way from that in terms of widely available tech, but this is the direction we're going. And uh, I don't want to see what will happen if we start using remote controlled or autonomous robots to take out suspects. I don't think I really have anything else to add on it, though. I mean, I, I think it's a terrible idea. James in the comments said, bullshit, they will have terminators with knees on necks. Don't let them have stuff like that. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you there, James. That's not an acceptable outcome. I think that we lost Trisha again. Um, how long have we been live for? It's been like two hours, right? Um, nothing's telling me how long it's been. Oh, 101 minutes ago. So yeah, we, we're almost at two hours. Um, I think that we can probably wrap this up. Um, once again, keep an eye on the website. We've had more articles being posted. There will be more to come. Um, and I hope to see you all again next week. Um, I don't know. I guess that's all I got. Give me just a second here and I will get the outro music going. It's a little harder to do it on Zoom than it was than it is in the actual restream software, but that's okay. I hope you all have a wonderful night. Remember to um, head over to forwearemany.org to um, 
Oh, Trisha's back. Welcome back. Once you connect, um, I'm getting ready to. I, I'm sure that you have some things to say about that uh, San Francisco article, but I said all I have to say. So I was kind of planning on um, just wrapping it up after that. Um, but I do want to hear what you have to say. So whenever you're connected, I'll take that down for a minute. Apologies. I lost signal again and it cut out the call in for the audio too. It happens. Um, yeah, anyway, um, I, I'm, I'm sure that you have a few things to add to what I said about the situation in San Francisco. Uh, James had said in the comments, bad idea to give city cops their own Terminators to play with. And then he went on to say, bullshit, they will have Terminators with knees on necks. Don't let them have stuff like that. Um, my rhetoric was uh, obviously along those same lines. Um, but I'm sure I'm sure that you have your own things that you wanted to say about it. So. Well, yeah, I mean, this is the complete opposite direction of what we need to be taking. You know, we're at a, a precipice here of cops being completely out of fucking control and feeling like their badge is a license to kill as it is. And we've got dumbasses running companies building robots who are like, hey, let's give them a greater ability to kill with even less risk to themselves. So there's no fucking ramifications at all. Like, no, this this is the worst possible fucking thing that could be happening. And it, the last thing we need is to see this expanded upon in other communities. This needs to be stopped right now where it's at there. This should not have ever even been up for a vote. And I'd really love to know who the fuck actually voted yes on this, thinking it was a good idea to give police fucking robots with, armed assault capacity this is moronic at this point yeah yeah 100 percent agreed like what the um, fuck are we james even doing asked, james asked if the robot kills them will it get paid administrative leave oh my god james <laughs> probably probably um I don't think that I have anything else uh, that I really plan to talk about tonight. Um, if you have anything that you want to like talk about quickly before we wrap up, though, we're at like an hour forty-five, um, and I don't, um, have, and I don't have anything else. Is the since we're on the subject of all cops are bastards. Um, if you could also grab the link out of our group chat that I shared yesterday about the border patrol agent who is a fucking serial killer. That would be great because I can't recall his name right now. But this guy has been using his position as a border patrol agent to try to quote unquote befriend prostitutes, holding them hostage until he's done with them and then murdering them. And I don't know what the body count's even up to at this point, but this right here is 
just one more example of why we really need to fucking end the policing system in every fucking way, shape, and form when these motherfuckers are hiding behind badges to be serial killers, too, now. Those women did nothing wrong to him. They didn't fucking deserve to be kidnapped, held hostage, and murdered. And it took this long for them to figure out who the fuck it was, because being a pig, he was apparently doing a decent job of covering up his own fucking tracks. Being a pig, he probably had fingers to point in other directions to send people on fucking wild goose chases. Like, this this is a fucking problem. Well, I mean, he, uh, he confessed to it. Uh, After- Juan, Juan David Ortiz, uh, his goal was to eradicate all the prostitutes. Um, police are still trying to determine what exactly triggered him. He's been charged with four counts of murder and one count of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Um, the thing and, is, he only confessed the- because the one who is the aggravated assault count escaped him and reported him. Yeah. So that's why he got caught. One of his victims managed to get the fuck away from him. Right. This wasn't uh, with a moment of having some ethics and thought he should turn himself in. Not at that point. He was already caught. Because he slipped up. And his whole shit of having a goal of ending all prostitutes. Sorry, not sorry. That that goes back to, you know, points of crystal fascism of motherfuckers thinking that because they have this weird fucking religious view on certain things involving sex that they get to fucking kill people for it. Right. Which, and I and I mean like a lot of communists advocate for the abolition of of the sex trade because it's exploitative by nature, but we also don't you know like criminalize the prostitutes, right? Like if anything, it should be the Johns, <laughs> right? Like I mean, but we don't look at it like that. Um we as in a collective society and that's completely unacceptable uh what we need to do is we need to create conditions where women where women don't feel like they need to sell their bodies to survive not well not whatever the fuck this guy did and this guy is going out being a fucking fascist murderous piece of shit and killing people because of that being their choice of line of work because let's be honest doesn't matter whether you're working in a shop on the line or working in sex work you're selling your body in order to get money to fucking survive um you know so it's it's one of those things that as long as we are creating the conditions of you're only going to survive if you somehow sell yourself, your body, right. your time, etc. That's the only thing that would actually put an end to it. These motherfuckers going around and slaughtering innocent sex workers is never going to. Mm-hmm. 
but that definitely speaks to the problem of motherfuckers thinking that their personally held beliefs give them the fucking right to actually go around fucking killing people. Yeah. And um, uh, I don't know who this is quoting. Somebody from the Border Patrol, I would guess, uh, said, I think he would have done a lot more serious harm if it hadn't been for that girl that escaped. We would still be looking for our guy with more dead bodies. So, I mean, they're trying to make it sound like, you know, they did something, but really the, the woman who escaped is the one that, that, that made it possible. Right. Um, Cause she, she would have had the ability to actually identify the motherfucker like, Hey, this is who's killing all the prostitutes. Fuck. Yeah. It's just fuck up, fucked up and, um, really sick and twisted i mean think about it flip the script if we were to be like hey this person's ideology and beliefs are harmful to society and he's using them to justify murder therefore we should end this fucking belief then we would get called xenophobes and it's like no if your religion is telling you to hate people and kill them you're doing it wrong don't give a flying fuck. You should maybe reconsider your fucking religion instead of thinking that it somehow entitles you to go around and killing people for existing in a manner that makes you, you know, uncomfortable or whatever. Um, you do not have a fucking right. I mean, James has a good point here. At least he didn't have a robot capture them for him. Uh, shit's getting bad. But, like, just to circle back to that last article, these are the type of people that would be getting control to robots that can kill you. Right. It's a problem. Like, we can't even trust them to just be walking around in their own fucking skin suits amongst the rest of society, and you want to give them fucking killer robots? Right. The fuck, California. Uh, right. Oh my God. To speak towards something that you pointed out earlier too, of let's not pretend like democratic strongholds aren't also fascist as fuck because California is very much and has been for a long time, a Democrat stronghold and look where they're fucking investing in deepening the police state. Yeah problem both parties are fascist period yeah it's like would you like straight fascist or diet fascist that's right and it's hard to tell even which one of them is which at this point (laughs) yeah yeah more republicans voted against stopping the strike than democrats like holy shit how do you get out lefted by the fucking republicans again Right. Like, Jesus fucking Christ. World's a shit show. Yeah. All right. Um, You ready to wrap it up? Got anything else you want to shout out or anything before we wrap Um, it up? Not that I think of. 
Um, other than letting everybody know to keep their eyes open for the videos we'll be posting from the Panther classes. Um, yeah, that's about it. That was all I had as far as topics for current events tonight. Fair enough. Um, also for educational stuff that's Panther related, uh, uh, check out the website. I said this at the beginning too, but check out the website We've uh, for wearemany.org. We've been posting some writings by Tom Watts and Sherman Zulu, um, and they're good. Um, I read through some of the titles earlier. I will again, hold on. Give me just one second here. Um, Black, Brown, and White, the Proletariat Must Unite. That is a three-part series. Um, I think part three comes out tomorrow. No, it was today. Okay. Um, and then we've got the three epics in the history of human and social evolution. We've got Panther Spirituality. We've got We Think Everyone Should Be a Panther. Uh, we've got Build Alliances, Advance the Struggle. And then by Chairman Shaka Zulu, uh, we have to end racism. We must defeat capitalism. These are all um, position papers or opinion pieces. Um, and of course, if you have anything you want to submit, just email us for we are many podcasts at gmail.com. Um, yeah, that's, that's all I got, really. Um, definitely check out the website. Keep up with it. We will... Um, We've gotten a lot better about posting regularly and we're gonna keep that going. Oh yeah. All right. Well, if uh, that's all we've got, then I just wanna end this with um, a simple all power to the people. All power. Fucking Panther love. Have a good night, everyone. Thank you for joining us.